there's a friend of mine, Joe Heschmeyer, he, he works at Catholic Answers, and I'm hoping to get him out here this school year to, as a guest speaker. But he has a great analogy for the papacy. He says, the papacy is like a truck's bed. By that he means it's the most distinctive dogma in Catholicism. You know, a truck's bed is not its most important feature. The engine is a lot more important than the bed of the truck. But what distinguishes a truck from, say, a compact car or a minivan? It's the open bed. Now, when we talk about the papacy, it's not the most important dogma in Catholicism. The Holy Trinity, the God is one and three and three and one, that's a lot more important than the papacy. But you can get that in any mainline Protestant church or Orthodox church. Resurrection from the dead, same thing. The Eucharist, it's more important than the papacy. You can get that in the Orthodox too. They believe in transubstantiation even though they don't call it that. And they have holy orders, they have the real presence. But what distinguishes Catholicism from Protestantism, from Orthodoxy, is the papacy. And he goes on to, to say this, and it's really true. He says, if the papacy is true, if Jesus Christ established this unique office for Peter and his successors, then absolutely everybody should be Catholic. If it's not true, nobody should be Catholic. We're wasting our time. I've wasted my life. Missionaries have wasted years. But it is true. One of the ways we know it's true is this passage. It's not the only way. We have the historical record. We have typology, Eliakim, right, prime minister of the house of David, who had the keys of the house of David. Um, but this passage from Matthew 16 is essential. In it, we see Jesus himself say he is going to found a church. And he is going to give the apostles his authority to lead this church. But one apostle, Peter, he sets above all else. And he gives them the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Later in Matthew, he will give to the other apostles the power to bind and loose. But the only one who gets the keys to the kingdom of heaven is Peter and his successors. And so we have seen this office of the papacy, right? It endures through persecution, through internal scandal and division. Um, it's, endured saint it's endured with saintly popes, yes, but also weak ones and wicked ones, uh, for 2,000 years. Not because of any virtue on the human level, but because it's a divine institution. And Christ promised that the gates of hell will never prevail against his church. And that includes his papacy. And he's given, obviously, the papacy this charism of teaching infallibly on matters of faith and morals so that it's easy to be Catholic. It's easy to know the truth. You don't have to be St. Thomas Aquinas to figure out divine revelation. You just have to know and believe what Christ church teaches. You know, there's a danger with that line, uh, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And the danger is we can begin to think, oh good, see the gates of hell are, are not going to prevail, so we don't need to worry about it. Well, it's true, Christ church will persevere to the end because of his grace, but he doesn't say it'll endure here in Emporia or in the United States. You look at the Mediterranean world or you go to the Holy Land, 
That place was once thoroughly Christian. It's not anymore. Syria, Egypt, North Africa used to be thoroughly Catholic. It's not anymore. Turkey, not anymore. Even Europe. You go to the great cathedrals of Europe, and we Americans are awed at their beauty and their glory, and they're empty very often, or treated as a museum because they're filled with tourists. So we ought to not see this as a, as a reason to kind of rest on our laurels. We, we need to go out. We need to seek to spread the faith far and wide. And our patron, uh, excuse me, my patron, our saint today, John Vianney, the patron saint of parish priests, is a good example for us because he was sent to this parish, ours, where it was said that there, um, you know, his vicar general said to him, there's not much love of God there. You will put it there. The French Revolution had decimated the faith in France. And in this particular town, um, you know, there were several taverns and bars. People worked in the fields on Sunday. People didn't go to Mass. They didn't go to confession. They didn't pray. They didn't get their kids catechized. And here came this priest who barely got through seminary, who probably the only reason he gets through seminary is because the French Revolution had just decimated the numbers of clergy in France, and they needed priests desperately. Uh, and he, they sent this priest, didn't have amazing intellectual gifts to ours. And for two years, not much happened. Very few came back. But each night, he would get on his knees and he would say, Lord, convert my parish. I'm willing to suffer all things if you but grant the conversion of my parish. He prayed and fasted. He didn't roll out some, you know, new program. He prayed, he fasted, he preached the faith. He made himself available. He taught. He spoke about it. He invited others. He visited their homes, invited them. And eventually, this once moribund parish became vibrant, and people came from all over uh, to, to go to confession to this holy cure of ours. It's a good example for us that uh, we can't grow complacent. Uh, we must seek to spread the faith. The faith begins on our, or the conversion of others begins on our knees, as it did with John Vianney. Lord, I'm willing to suffer all things, but grant the conversion of my parish.